0: Thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, Say hello to 2019. Say see ya 2018. All right, time moves on. Nothing magical about it, but it is an opportunity to pretend that you're actually going to start working out and doing things differently and better and all that other stuff. So uh, I'm going to go against, I'm going to say two things. One, this is the beginning of a series that we're going to do, and I believe that this This series um, down to this scripture, the the scripture that we're going to talk about today is the fundamentals or the foundation of this series, and I believe that it is also the foundation, uh, I I think, of the season that our church is moving into in general. I just think that God is uh, moving and doing a lot of things uh, in our people, uh, for our people, through our people, uh, in our community, and extending areas and uh, there's a lot of things coming our way with the land and the building and uh, all kinds of stuff that's happening. And, and it's just one of those things where, where I think that we as a people in a community and, and our town in general and what God is doing here, that we're moving into an area uh, where our, our relationship with God and our view of God and our trust primarily of God uh, has to go deeper and, and alter and, 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 and be powerful in that. And, and that's, that's what we're going to do. Trust the Lord. And do good, dwell in the land, and feed on faithfulness. Now, these are the words of David. Uh, and it's important that you understand that David is an old man in this moment. In verse 25 of this chapter, he says, I was one, uh, young once. Raise your hand if you were young once. All right. Now I'm old. Raise your hand if now I'm old. All right. I was young once and now I'm old. But he said, in all my years, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. All right. Now, it's important that you understand that this, this chapter is a very powerful chapter. Um, and, and the scriptures are very, all, all the word of God is powerful. But there is some crazy power uh, in this lifestyle. And that's really what it is. It's a lifestyle that, that David had. And, and it's important you understand that he's old. This is not shepherd, young boy, David. This isn't David and Goliath. This isn't Saul and David or even King David. This is Papa David. This is Grandpa David or Peepaw David, whatever you say. And can we just be honest? No matter how you say it, the way everybody else says it sounds stupid, right? Can we just? All right, I say papa, that's natural to me. And you think, oh, man, what a redneck, right? You're like grandfather. So like it just sounds different to me, but this is whatever you say, this is, this is Paul David. So you need to understand that this is not a, a young man who thinks he's got life figured out and has a theory on life uh, that just hasn't uh, had enough time to be proven wrong. This is a man who has lived an epic Like This is a man uh, who was uh, uh, on the mountains of life and in the valleys of life. This was a man who, who lived in the, the, the king's house, in the kingdom, in the palace at one point, and was homeless at one point. This was a man who was, who was uh, on, the, on the horses leading the army, wiping out enemies, and this is a man who tasted uh, bitter defeat. This is a man who, who shepherded sheep, and this is a man uh, who sat on the throne as king. This was a man who had uh, deep, powerful friendships uh, and this was a man who was betrayed by those that he loved. No, so this was a man who raised uh, a man named Solomon that grew up to be one of the greatest kings in all of uh, human history. And this is also a man who raised a son named Absalom that tried to kill him and take the throne from him. This is, this is King David. He has uh, been through the ups and downs of life. And through it all, he says, at the end of it, proven theory at the end of it, trust the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and feed on faithfulness. There's a lot of power that follows in the next few scriptures, but everything that comes in the next few scriptures hinges on your view of these first two and how they are in your life. He says, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land and feed on faithfulness. And I want you to do, we're going to play a little game. All right? When I put my hand up here, you're going to say, trust in the Lord. When I put my hand over here, you're going to say, do good. When I put my hand down here, this is different. Down here, you're going to dwell in the land. And when I put my hand over here, you're going to say, feed on faithfulness. You guys ready? This side isn't good. Okay, you guys (laughs) dropped off. The front is, but the back. The, The front rowers, the teachers' pets, they nailed it, but the back row. If I wasn't the preacher, I'd be back there, okay? All right, let's do it. Now up here, giving five. Overachievers, <laughs> gotta hate them. All right, I mean, love them with all you are. We do it one more time. I want you to just say this. Good. They beat y'all that time. They came back with <laughs> vengeance. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on faithfulness. And I uh, trust in the Lord. And I, I'm a, also up front. I want to warn you. Um, I know this may become a surprise to you, but I'm a pretty direct person, okay? Um, but believe it or not, there is, there is a way that I handle myself on stage as to not offend first-time guests, you know, people who don't know the Lord and, and stupid people, okay? So I, I, I try not to do that. But during the week when I'm with my staff, people I love and, and I work with every day and they love me, I'm, at times I can be even more blunt, even more direct. And I've made a conscious decision this morning out of a lack of time uh, and, and just, to, just to speak as directly as possible and not to spend two or three minutes dancing around a thing to, to warm you up, to deliver something that I know is going to sting a little bit. I'm just going to say it and then you can deal with it, okay? <laughs> That's how we're going to go, okay? So if this is your first time here and you ever come back, I love you, all right? With all my heart, it's okay. I understand. Uh, but there's a few things in this, starting with this 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 concept of trusting God and why primarily the reason why David could trust God. Uh, that if you can take in this a few of these things, it, it really could, it really could change your life, it really could revolutionize your life. And I know those are dramatic words, but it. It really could do that because trusting the Lord is nothing new. Trusting the Lord is, is really the foundation of our faith. It's the foundation of Christianity. Anybody that follows Jesus, anybody that believes in God, anybody that walks after uh, Christ, and it, it, there's a, 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 a lot of belief, a lot of faith. It's all based on faith, and you hear the concept of trusting the Lord and trusting God and trusting Jesus constantly. This isn't a brand new thing, uh, but uh, as normal as it is to us and as well-known as it is to us and as much as uh, Genesis to Revelation. And it's said to trust the Lord. This is the thing that we struggle with the most. And what what set David apart was that he trusted God in a way that most of humanity and most of history uh, never have. He, he trusted God uh, uh, in a way and interacted with God in a way. Uh, and he didn't have anything any different than, than you had. He was uh, 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 rejected from his family. He was poor. He was in the, one of the lowest classes uh, uh, of Israel. I mean, he was out here in the field when, when, so, when Samuel came to anoint a king. His dad invited all the brothers and left him in the field because he thought he doesn't even have a chance. Just leave David out there. With the sheep, I mean, this was this was the reality. Uh, so it's not like he had anything uh, special that you don't have, uh, but he was able to trust God uh, in a way that that most people don't. And 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 I feel like the thing that the Lord has just really laid on my heart because you can see this because that was I wanted to find out. I wanted to know why could David why could David trust God when 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 God talked about David and he he told and he rejected Saul and he said I found a man who's after my own heart. I found a man who will do all of my will. I found a man who will do all of my purposes. It's reiterated in the New Testament about King David. Paul says he was a man, God said he was a man after my own heart. He was a man who chased me and went after me and trusted me. And he was a man who would do all of my will and do everything that I asked. And, And I fundamentally wanted to know why could David trust God the way that he did? And and as I started to go through the Psalms and go through the lyrics of his heart and go through the uh, the warrior poet's dialogue uh, uh, in the good times and the bad times, in uh, the times of victory and the times of defeat and the times when he was on the throne and the times when he was cast out and was homeless, when he was when he was at whatever season of life he was in. Well, why could this this shepherd boy who became king trust God the way he could? And and when you really start to to read through the Psalms and read through his life, it starts jumping off the page at you uh, that, that he had a fundamental belief about God uh, and a fundamental reality, uh, just something in his life that he believed specifically about God that most of us really never get to. And I believe that this was the secret of David. I believe that this is why David chased God the way he did, why David trusted God the way he did. And and at the end of the day, if, if, if this is the only thing you ever hear today, if this is the only thing that you remember, this thing that I'm about to share, this in itself, could change you, if you could just get to this place, and, and I don't mean remember it or know it or say it or write it down or take notes. I mean that if you can let this thing that I'm about to say be very so real to you that it sinks into the depths of your soul, your body, your mind, your will, your emotions just sinks in, and you allow it to attach to the depths of who you are, uh, it will it will radically change everything in your life, and, and it's really just this one simple reality that David believed that so many of us struggle with, and it, it's this. That what God desired for David, I'm going to say it as if I'm David. What God desires for me and what God desires to do in me and what God desires to do through me is far greater than anything that I could ever think of or imagine For myself. More importantly, not only is what God desires for me uh, and God desires to do in me and do through me, but what God is able to do for me and what God is able to do in me and what God is able to do through me is far greater than anything that I could ever think or imagine. Paul says it like this in Ephesians 3.20. He says, now to him. Read it. Now to him. Take it in. Not to him who is what? Not to him who is what? Able Able to do what? Immeasurably more. more. King James people wanted to shout out exceedingly abundantly more. That's okay. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, immeasurably more than we could what? Ask or think. Ask or imagine. Ask or conceive. Through what? Y'all were preaching it. Let's go. Through what? His power. That's where? In us. Now to him. Now to him who is able to do abundantly more, exceedingly more, uh, immeasurably more than we could ever ask, than we could ever conceive, than we could ever think, than we could ever imagine. David believed, he believed, he believed this thing. He believed that God, his creator, he believed that God, his father, he believed that God, his king, he believed that God, the God who formed him, the God who positioned him, the God who gave him life, the God who breathed air into his lungs, that this God, that what this God, his creator God, his father in heaven, his king of kings, his lord of lords, what his God desired. For him and was able to do for him and desired and was able to do for him, in him and through him. It was far greater than anything that he could ever come up with himself to do in this life. And he had the ability uh, to do far more for him, in him and through him than David could ever do in his own might, his own strength and his own power. David fundamentally believed in the goodness and the love of the God who created him. And it was this thing that allowed him to trust God the way that he did. The enemy has convinced so many of us that what God desires for us or what God is able to do for us, in us, and through us, that somehow somehow, what we want and what we think and what we do, is, 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 it, it could be better. And so because we don't believe in the goodness of God, we don't trust God. But David did. And I just want you to think about that just for a second. I want you to understand the reality. And I I want you to be serious. This isn't a joke. I want you to really answer this. And it's going to cause you to get past some human pride. It's going to cause, and it's going to be funny. You're going to think it's funny. You're going to think I'm being sarcastic, but I'm being dead serious. Did you create yourself? No, you did not. And do you truly, actually believe in your heart and in your mind that you know all things? That you know in your heart and in your mind, why you were put on this planet. Now, Not not because God let you in on the secret, but in your human intelligence and your human wisdom that you figure out what this life was for. Just be honest. It's not a joke. Are you the creator of the universe? It's not a joke. It's not sarcasm. I'm being serious because you actually struggle with this on a practical level. The way that we live our lives so much of the time is that we actually believe that we somehow are the creator of the universe, that we somehow brought ourselves into being, that we somehow have the intelligence to figure life out, that we somehow have the wisdom to do things, that we somehow in our short little life and our small little speck in history on this big, huge planet and this galaxy and this massive, ever-extending universe, that somehow we, you, me, that we figured life out. Hashtag most foolish thing I've ever heard. And the Jordan from three years ago would have thrown the word freaking in there somewhere. But I've grown and matured, so I'm not going to do that. David stood in that field as a child, as a teenager, and he realized that what God desired for him and what God was able to do for him, in him, and through him was far greater than he could ever even imagine for himself. And so from a young age, he decided, I'm going to trust God. And whatever God says that's what I'm going to do. Wherever God leads, that's where I'm going to go. Whatever door God's open, that's the ones I'm going to walk through. And so he sits as an old man, Pop All David, and he says, I can confidently tell you guys, trust him. Trust Yahweh. That's the name. Trust the Lord. And then do good. But we struggle with that. We struggle with, with that. And even if we can get to that place where we no longer struggle with that, we struggle with the trusting and the doing good. We struggle with trusting the Lord and, and doing good. Uh, we 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 think that they're like two different things. I was uh, talking with uh, I just it's Scotty it's Scotty Broom, me and him were having a conversation the other day, and uh, we were talking and we were just being open with each other. And one of the things that I struggled with a lot uh, in my early years walking with God, same thing that so many of us struggle with, it was it was this 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 balancing between trusting in God and then. Uh, doing good or doing or action or human responsibility, and we were just talking about this. And both of us, at one point in our little lunch, we were just shifting our hands back and forth like this. And I just I grabbed the knife and I, ran, I held it up, and I was like, "But that's not it's not a balancing act." it's not trusting God and and believing that he's in control and believing that he's sovereign and believing that he's all powerful is over here in this box and then human action and human responsibility and doing and and following is over here in this box and that life is a balancing act between these two things Uh, uh, they're not they're they're not even parallel they are synonymous there's no dichotomy at all they are are together they are the same thing to trust God is to do good and to do good is to trust God now when I say do good I don't want you to hear uh, uh, give to charity. I don't want you to hear, go volunteer somewhere. That's that's not, that's not what it is. To do good, there's only one, Jesus says, there's only one who is good and it's my Father who is in heaven. So every goodness that exists in this life, it comes from the Father. Righteousness is just simply what God says is right. He's God, you aren't. He created the world. He laid the foundations of the earth with wisdom. He created all of the systems. He knows the way that it works. So when he tells you something, it's not righteousness in some spiritual, philosophical sense. That is the right way to do things because he's the one who created the foundations of the earth that's what righteousness is and so to do good is simply to do the things that God asked you to do and to trust God is to simply do those things and to do those things is to trust God. You can't trust God and not do those things. And you can't do those things and not trust God. If you do those things, then that's trusting God. This is one of the reasons why David was plucked up uh, from the field with the sheep and put on the throne of Israel was because his predecessor could not seem to find the trust in God to simply do the little things that he asked. The straw that broke the camel's back for King Saul was God said, I want you to go to the Amalekites. They are evil. They are are wicked. They are are sacrificing their own children on altars and burning them alive. They are detestable. There's so much wicked. There's so much evil. Go and wipe them out and put rocks on their gardens. Cut down all the good trees. Kill all the animals. Don't leave anything alive. Uh, Ruin the soil. And if it looks like you could use it, break it. God said, I don't want anybody on that land to touch that land, feed off that land, or nothing. So Saul went, God gave him victory, but he left the king alive and he took the best of the animals and the best of the resources and the gold and whatever the oil of the day was and and he took it all back to God. And this is what Saul said. This is what his excuse was. He said, I'm going to take all this stuff and I'm going to make a big altar and I'm going to have this big party, this big festival and I'm going to make this huge sacrifice to God and God rejected him as king and he made this one statement. He said, I desire, I prefer obedience over sacrifice. See, this is what we want to do as Christians. We want to make these big exploits of ourselves. Most of the time, it's fueled by pride, but we want to make these big exploits of ourselves, and we want to stand and we want to do these great things. And God's like, it means nothing to me because you won't even do the little small things that I've asked you to do. You don't trust me. And this is the part where I get direct. Somebody's like, get direct. See, in life, and I'm going to get practical because this is life. This is about life. It's about our life with God, our relationship with God. See, we do this thing where we, we, we want to trust God for things. We want to trust God for things. We want to, we want to trust God to, to provide. We want to trust God to protect. We want to trust God to, uh, to, to heal us. We want to trust God and, and believe. And we want, we want to live a life we want to trust God, but then we don't want to do the little things that he's actually asked us to do. Uh, we we, we want to we do these big exploits. Uh, we want to we be heroes of the faith. Uh, we want to be the one that brings the revival in. We want to be the one to change the world. We want to be that, but then we don't want to do the little things. Uh, there was a guy, and he's long gone, so I can talk about him if I want to. And it's not gossip because there's no ill will. This is just facts. All right? This guy, I remember he come to me, and he's talking about just getting persecuted at his job. He's just persecuted, pick on him because of his faith. Little old man. After asking him some questions and talking to him, he was uh, showing up late to work. He wasn't doing his job, and as as much as it's hard for me to say, he was like trying to read his Bible instead of do his job during the day. He he was, and he was inviting everybody to church. It's one of the reasons we changed the name of the church. That was a joke. And he was just doing all this stuff, and he's like, I'm, I'm about to lose my job. I'm getting persecuted. I'm like, no, brother. Uh, you're a horrible employee. That's why you're about to lose your job. <laughs> and God asked you to be a light in the darkness, not an annoyance in the darkness. See, we, we have this thing, and what, what God actually asked us to do. Now, I'm showing you the difference. What God actually asked us to do was to be a light in the darkness. Uh, he actually said very clearly, whatever you do, whether you eat or you drink whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God. Uh, Proverbs two direct times, Solomon says, be on time to stuff. Now, I know half our crowd hadn't figured that out yet, but be on time to stuff. It says that, that to be diligent and not to be lazy. It says to work with your hands in a car. It says to be wise. It says to be a good employee. It says to respect your authority. It says to walk through this. It says to do this. And what Jesus actually says to do is I want you to be a light in the darkness. I want you to be a city on a hill. I want you to live a life that is so attractive that people come to you And then you can tell them about Jesus, not to perform horribly, show up late to work, be an annoyance, not get your job done, and then invite them to church. Nobody's wanting your Jesus when you live your life like that. Do you hear what I said? Nobody this is the thing people want people want yeah I just want to do something big for God I'm going to I'm going to sell everything I have even though God never asked you to I'm going to give it all to the poor even though God never asked you to and I'm going to go to Africa even though God never asked you to and I'm going to die witnessing even though God never asked you to What he asked you to do was love your neighbor That's right next to you Right People, I'm I'm believing this year, I'm believing this year. God's I'm gonna get a new job, I'm gonna get a bigger income, I'm gonna gonna be blessed financially, I'm gonna do things greater, I'm gonna gonna get I'm I'm believing, I'm praying, I'm fasting 87 days, greater income for my family, new job, freedom, financial freedom. Well, you're a horrible money manager. Why on earth would God give you any more money to throw away? (laughs) I've watched a single mom with three kids live off. $24,000 a year for years, and I've seen people that make half a million dollars a year lose everything because they can't manage money. They're dead up to their eyeballs. Income means nothing. We don't honor God with our finances. He didn't say, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. What he said was, pay your tithes and honor me with your current income, is what he said. You don't even do that. So why on earth? would think, You think you're think you trusting God with your finances? You're not. Let me help you. You're not trusting God with your finances. I'm not judging you. Your finances are between you and God. We don't need your money. My God is a provider. All the cattle on a thousand hills are his. We've always been fine. We'll always be fine because we trust God. But if you want to trust God with your finances, there's a few very small things that he asked you to do. This is one area of your life where you're trying to uh, trust God but not do those little small things that he's asked you to do. God makes you a promise in Proverbs. He says, yeah, you can make a ton of money in this life, and it will be attached with stress and be attached with anxiety, and there's just one little peculiar word, and it just means deep trouble. He said, but, he said, if you will trust me with your finances, and you will trust me and you will obey me, he said, I will give you wealth that comes with peace and rest. Now, that's, that's the Bible. And there's a couple of you sitting right here. You got a big income, but you haven't had peace and rest in 30 years. That's why he says it's better to sit in the corner of a small house at a small table with a piece of bread and go to bed full and happy, filled with joy and peace, than it is to be on the throne specifically, no offense ladies, with a shrieking wife and no peace. Be careful with the amens. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? God says, God said, trust me, just do the little things. You, you want to do these big, 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 big things. Uh, there's People t- all the time in church, people came, God came this week. Basically, he said, he said, you know, how, he was more on, you know, how do you get young people to come to your church? I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> they just show up. We can't get them to go away. I have no idea. <laughs> how do you have all these volunteers out here? Well, you know, what do you do? I really, I honestly, dude, I have no idea. I don't know why they stay. I don't know why they do. I don't know why uh, we have <laughs> hundreds of volunteers that come every week. I, I'm not being, no false sense of humility. People say all the time, I get so much credit for stuff. And they're like, Jordan, you just put this plan together. And I'm like, I wish that that was true. I do. I wish I wished that I sat around years ago and said, hey, this is what we'll do, X, Y, Z, and then it'll all be awesome. No, uh, it wasn't like that at all. But I do remember a day. I do remember a day. And I remember God showed me something, just one little small thing that he asked. He said, listen, this goes against so much of what we hear. He says, the harvest is is ripe. The harvest is ready. There's people ready to be plucked. There's people ready to be saved. There's people ready to be reached. But the laborers are few, so pray for the laborers. He didn't actually say pray for people to get saved. He didn't actually say pray for revival. He didn't actually say... He said, "Be witnesses, be filled with power, and be witnesses." But the Great Commission wasn't actually go and witness to everybody and annoy everybody. He said, "Go and make disciples and baptize people in the Father and the Holy Ghost." And so what I've said there, and what the Lord was put on my heart, I'll never forget it. I was sitting right over here in this little corner, and I was praying. And the Spirit of God just hit me, and He said, you pray for laborers. You pray for them, and I'll bring them in. And I want you to understand the trust part. Okay, God, I will pray every day for laborers. And then a few months later, He said, I've sent a bunch of them, but you didn't get organized, and you're not ready for them. So I'm going to wait till you get ready for them. So then we were like, okay, we've got to get some organization. We've got to get some stuff going. I've got to be faithful with the little things. And so I started to do, and then God started to send We want to to trust God for these things, but we want to do the small little things that we can do. I pray for laborers far more than I pray for people to get saved because I know that if the the harvest is ripe, they're out there, they're ready. If people will just get a touch of the Holy Spirit and they go out there and they are a light in the darkness in a city on the hill, people will just start getting saved. That's the plan. That's Jesus' plan. That's not a denominational plan or a Baptist plan or a Methodist plan or a Catholic plan. That's Jesus' plan. And so that that's that's what we do. Do you, do you see the difference? You trust God by doing the little things. And then he says, Dwell in the land and feed on faithfulness. Dwell in the land and feed on faithfulness. Dwell in the land and feed on faithfulness. You have to see this reality here. It's not dwell in the land, period, and feed on faithfulness. Dwell in the land and feed on faithfulness. They go together. Whatever land you're dwelling in is what you're going to feed from. You, you can't go to Joey's down the road, best restaurant in town, by the way, sit at one of JoJo's tables and then order McDonald's. Can't do that. You can't do that. You can't. You can't go to Joey's, and then feed on McDonald's. Is that deeply spiritual or what? <laughs> you can't. Uh, you you can't get stronger, and lose weight, but never go to the gym. Okay. You can't smoke ten packs a day drink like a horse, eat Chucky fried chicken every night and then expect to be healthy. You hearing me? I'm not judging you. I got my own vices. All right. Energy drinks, liquid chemicals and liquid plastic. I went 30 days clean from it. It's really good. Unfortunately, that was 40 days ago. In the last six days, I've drank about five or seven of them. Wherever you're dwelling in, that same word, it's abides the same word. Wherever you're dwelling in, whatever you're abiding in, that's what you're feeding from. Jesus says, I want you to abide in me. I want you to be connected to me. I want you to be connected to the source. You're never going to bear any fruit unless you're connected to me. Unless you dwell and abide in me, there's never going to be any fruit uh, that's going to come for you or for you to feed from. If you don't dwell in the land... Uh, then you can't feed on, on what the land produces. It's, it's, it's David; he's a shepherd. It's a concept of a, 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 if, if, if where the shepherd is, then you're under the guidance and the provision and the protection of the shepherd. Uh, but if you leave the shepherd, uh, I, I was young and now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. But David can attest that he's left and forsaken the Lord a couple times in his life. When you leave the shepherd and you go out a ways, you're no longer uh, under the Provision and the protection of God, of the shepherd. And this is the thing, this is a hard truth, and I know that we don't like this, not in modern America, not in modern American religion, not in Christianity. And I know the millennials, I'm a millennial, I know the millennials don't like this, but when you leave mama and daddy's house and you get in trouble, they're not always going to be there to come fish you back out. I'm just making a point, I'm just giving some examples. See, somebody just was like, that's why I'm never leaving. (laughs) He said, you dwell in the land, you feed on faithfulness. This is the thing that we try to do in life, and I just want you to hear me, because I'm going to tell you something, and it's a truth. You're not going to like it, and you're going to try to go find it in Scripture and prove me wrong. You need to be in the Bible, so you need to do that. Good luck. You want to try to feed on the faithfulness of God. But not dwell in the presence of God. You want to. You want to. To take the prodigal way out. You want to go and you want to. You want to. You want to leave the father's house and you want to leave the father's position that he put you in. You want to. You want to leave the 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 house, the father, the life, the thing, the promises, all of that, and you want to go and take the breath in your lungs that he's given you and take your gifts, your talents, your abilities and take your arrogance and your pride and you want to go out into the world and you want to live your own life out here. But when you're out here and the Father's back here, you can no longer feed on the faithfulness and the promises of the Father because you're out here in a pigsty. And because God loves you, because the shepherd loves you, because God loves you so much, he will stay back at the house and he will look for you every day And as soon as he sees you, he will run out to meet you. But because he loves you, as any good parent who loves their children, uh, he will, if you want to go out and live in a pigsty for a while, he will let you so you will see what life is like without his provision, his protection, and his guidance. And it may take a while, may not be a week or two weeks, but you, like the prodigal son, you'll find yourself in a pigsty, muddy and dirty, and you will, as it says, come to the end of yourself come to the end of your knowledge, come to the end of your power, come to the end of your strength, come to the end of your arrogance, come to the end of who you are and realize that the Father who created you, that what he desires for you and what he is able to do is far greater than anything you could ever do and you will run, sprint back and the Father will run out to meet you and he'll kiss you and he'll robe you and he'll bless you. You can't dwell in some distant land and feed on the faithfulness of God. You just can't do it. You can't leave the Father's house and feed on His promises. There's a scripture, Peter 1, 1.5, 1 Peter 1, 1.5. It's powerful. The whole structure of it is powerful. But He comes in, there's this one part, he says, I want you to, young, respect the old. He goes, I want you to tie, that word's tie, I want you to tie humility around you. And he says, I want you to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he says, right before that, he says, God opposes the proud. That means when you live a life of pride, and I want you just for a second, don't think of the guy at the gym and the, you know, the athlete and the, you know, that, that character, that arrogant, I'm the man character, that comes out of person. but pride is so deeper than that. But pride is that that reality of I think I know more than God. I think I know more about life, and I'm going to do life my way, whatever area it is. I'm going to do finances my way, kids my way, marriage my way, life my way. I'm going to do life my way. And God says I oppose the proud. Solomon says that God will actually make his mission to humble you, and he will win. Uh, When you live your life prideful, you're a small little Drew Brees quarterback lining up against history's largest linebacker and you don't have a shot. And so he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, comma, cast all your anxieties upon him. And this is what I see so much in our life, and this is really what I've come to tell you this morning. With all three of the, those scriptures, go on the land of feed on faithfulness, prodigal son, 1 Peter 1, five, I think. Yeah. You can't You can't cast the anxieties or the cares or the weight and the burden of life upon God if you haven't humbled yourself under his mighty hand. You can't go out in life and and dig a 15-foot hole and then stand at the bottom of it. Ask God to get you out, but while he's trying to get you out, you keep digging. Right? You, you, you can't, you can't uh, pray and, and, and turn over marriage or marriage and, and turn over your husband and your wife, turn over this relationship if you're still carrying the bag of pride and you're going to keep doing marriage your way. You're going to keep doing life your way. You're going to keep disrespecting your husband. You're going to keep not loving your wife. You're going to keep uh, uh, doing marriage your own way. Marriage is a God thing. You're going to keep doing it your own way and then try to pray that God will come and bless it and help it and change it. And it won't. It won't ever do that until you humble yourself and humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, under his strength, under his power, under his knowledge, under his word, under his truth, under him, all the power is his all the glory says you humble him humble yourself and then in this position of humility under his hand saying, God, I want to do life your way, now you can cast the burdens and the anxieties upon God. You can't do that. That's what we try to do, though. You, You can't feed on the promises of the Father if you're sitting in a pigsty a thousand miles away. You can't take the breath that he gave you, the gifts and talents and the life that he gave you, the time and history that he gave you, and spend every day doing your own thing, doing it your way, and expect to still have the provision and the protection of the Father. He loves you enough to leave you out in the desert until you get the power of who he is so that he can take you out of the hole you spent your whole life digging and take you from the field as a shepherd and make you a king what god wants to do in your life and what god desires for you and is able to do is far greater far more powerful far more amazing there aren't enough words in the english language to describe it what god wants to do is far greater than you could ever imagine if you would stop Stop being so prideful and so arrogant and humble yourself under his mighty hand cast your life upon him run from the pigsty back to the father's house dwell in the land of faithfulness and feed on his power and his strength And David could write this. And David was in the castle and in the palaces and had the wealth. And David was homeless and had no money and was starving. David lived in caves and sat on thrones. He shepherded people and he led them. He tasted victory and he tasted defeat. Where you are in life is not an excuse. Your father put you on this earth. And as long as you are breathing air in your lungs, you have a purpose and you have an opportunity. You have power within you. It's the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and put him up there. It's the Holy Spirit. If you will humble yourself under the shepherd, he will rock your world. Or you can keep trying to do life your way and waste every second that you have left. But for me and my house, we're going to serve him. Lord. Stand.